Hello and welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Planetverse. With me is the wonderful Steve Morton and Lisa Lewis. We are doing part two, part two of episode 127, which we're now calling episode 128. Hello, everyone. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Hello Steve. <laughs> Good evening. We have Lisa Lewis, our licensed clinical social worker from Virginia in with us tonight as as part two of our episode on procrastination and i have wonderful steve here who sat there patiently waiting in france waiting for his turn to say something he's chair dancing right now you can't see that but these are the things that i get to see and and he's waving a beer around as if he's just some hooligan off from a football event Hooli rough oh i quite like that that's cute <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> today we have the part two. We had had such a nice discussion with Lisa last time. We thought we would bring in a piece on the Business Insider that we found, uh, written by two lovely ladies, uh, and oh, I'm going to probably butcher their names. I'm going to have Ali Steve Schiller. link to the notes. Marissa Boisvert. Isn't it Boisvert? I thought it was Boisvert. Green drink. Right? Green drink. No? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. I think so. <laughs> anyway, these ladies decided to put us procrastinators into four categories. And Steve said, ha ha, no, there's more than that. <laughs> I just don't want to tell you right now. I'll tell you tomorrow because <laughs> it's a procrastination event. Um, so, in fact, Steve, why don't we start with yours? You had said they had four different type of archetypes. We'll get through them, but I like Steve's version better. He said, but what about the notebook scribbler? <laughs> there's, so there's an archetype. The notebook scribbler. <laughs> who are... I don't know if they're a procrastinator. Who, who are the notebook scribblers, but, Steve? Are you one? Are you one? Well, are you... I'd love to put to put them into a sort of a corner or, a, you know, a box, as it were. The, 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 the incessant scribblers at meetings that... Have to, always have the big notebook and they, they sit there scribbling down. You never know what on earth it is they are writing. I just ask people, I say, what are you writing? But you, you find out <laughs> next meeting because they refer back to their notes. I've never been an incessant scribbler at meetings. I'm always taking part in the meeting, not writing. I would, I would have thought if that I have you to were write an down, incessant scribbler. I switch off. You're not, you're not an incessant scribbler? It seems like you are. No. <laughs> I mean, you kind of look like no, the part. No. You kind of look like you are. <laughs> are the doodlers? What about the doodlers? Oh, the doodlers. They're they're, they're another branch. <laughs> Is it a subsection of the of the <laughs> scribblers? Yes, definitely a subsection. <laughs> so okay, so these ladies wrote this article, and they're just like, okay, there's four main types of of procrastinators the first one they're talking about is the performer who says i work well under pressure and they say their biggest challenge is getting started so this is you for all of you all that are like okay well i have something due five months from now and you'll start working on it four months and 30 days into it right you'll be like okay i'm gonna get this thing done tonight uh, what's, I, who, anybody I identify I'm with that, those, Lisa? Are you I'm, one of those? I'm famous Steve, for waiting till the day before papers due to to write it. Or uh, famously, I I was way back in a previous life. I was a fine arts major, and I had my final project due like on a just say on a Friday. I started at 10 p.m. on Thursday night to do the entire project. I had not done. I think. But I made an A. Wow. So 
I will quote the I work well under pressure. <laughs> wow, that's next level. <laughs> so what happens yeah. though, mm. I, um, Steve, and, and, and agree with me with this. I only do that when I'm sort of, uh, I completely forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I purposely forgot. Um, but I find that even though you're doing the work on the last day and you're like, hey, I got it done, you still stressed over this thing for the entire amount of time it was due. Wasn't oh, it sat on your brain the entire time? Absolutely. I hate it stayed on my brain and I'm like, oh, I need to work on that. Oh, I need to work on that. I need to work on that. And it just wasn't, it just, I didn't do it. I just waited to the last minute until I, I had to feel the pressure of, oh my God, I've got to get this done. I think I might have been put off with that approach from when I was at school, where sort of two-thirds into the last year, we were suddenly told, oh, you're not doing that. This was in English literature or something. Oh, we're not doing those books anymore. We're doing these instead. Well, what about the sort of two terms worth? Where oh, no, forget about that. Um, and we sort of just kept sort of working at it sort of with all the new books and we sort of thought what on earth are we going to do now more in, more fact, interesting. It okay because the new books were far better in my mind more interesting to understand yeah. than the the ones we'd previously been doing and so I don't know if it was the um, the sort of subject matter or what, but they were certainly um, yeah. easier to understand in terms of you know, English literature can be a bit sort of hazy at times, especially to, to a teenager. You can't understand you know, what is the concept between 1984 or Planet of the Apes or, or whatever. <laughs> I can't remember what books they were now, but... There were some so the really book, sort of the, weird things, as far as I was concerned. And the new books were much all. more applicable yeah. to your college no surprise, student. I didn't get a very good result, but there we go. That's such, such is life. <laughs> yeah, they were sort of a bit more sort of mainstream, really, which was a lot easier to understand. But, you know, it was the, the pressure that was suddenly put on us to suddenly start reading all of these, you know, we had the same number of books to cover, um, and it was bonkers, really. So we thought, where on earth are we going to end with this? So it was a lot of intensive reading and coaching. So in this article, the, these ladies say the, the solution for the I work well under pressure is to actually set your start date. And I've worked with people on this before, and I tell them, you know, set a date to do something because something's better than nothing even if it's just throwing some ideas down on paper or brainstorming doing the big brainstorming cloud and uh, at least you can start to feel accomplished at that point um what would you say lisa to those people that set start dates and then see, uh, who was it douglas adams let's let's remember the wonderful i love douglas seeing adams them come says, and go i love deadlines <laughs> i love seeing them whoosh by or something like that 
Yes, yes. <laughs> yep. What What would you say to people that, like that and look at it in the rear view mirror? Are yeah. oh, you going to crash into it? No, you just go straight through. Go straight it, through. Like yeah, yeah. Like a ghost. What happens? Because I, <laughs> I know I've had uh, moments where I've set mm. start dates, and man, those things have come and gone. Um, and then, of course, I look back and go, no, not this week, not this week, not this week. Steve has a rule. If you, I, What is it if you knock something off your calendar and keep postponing good, it four good times, strategy. it comes off your calendar, right? Um, maybe uh, something to do with that is um, something to do for that is on your start date in your planner, actually write what you want to do on the start date. So, for instance, if you have some sort of project going on, what is something easy that you can actually write in there and say, okay, on July 25th, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to bullet point my ideas. Yeah. That's a great idea. I'm, I'm the one that does the taxes for us in our family. And so what I can do is I can put the start date of when I'm going to start collecting the information, for example, or building up the folder that goes to the tax preparer. One of the worst situations is working for someone <laughs> who yes. doesn't set start dates and doesn't start until the last minute. When do you want this? Whenever. One? Yesterday. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? Too bad. Or they come to you on a Friday afternoon at three o'clock. You go, great. <laughs> When do you want this by? Oh, for Monday morning. Hmm. Fat chance of that then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. They have another one called, um, what is it? The self-deprecator who says, I'm so lazy right now. And they suggest that your biggest challenge, if you're the person that says, I'm just so lazy, says Take a, taking a break, we already know you're, you are going to say that you don't have time to rest. I mean, that's their challenge. And their solution is to recharge. Try taking a walk to give yourself space and begin to rebuild your energy. <laughs> uh, Lisa and I are in the Maybe camp of gently push them your aside. Just blow them up, right? Just <laughs> Hide the evidence. <laughs> that reminds me of a, a, never a Judge Judy episode just I saw Lisa, toss, where someone toss. had gently thrown a rock towards the car. Gently thrown a rock. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So the thing with laziness is I think we had discussed this a little bit prior was that yeah, you get away from everybody pointing the finger at you cuz you called yourself out, but you're really doing yourself a disservice by living in a land where you begin to identify as the thing that you say that you are, right? It's not doing you any any good to call yourself lazy when you're just feeling lazy. Maybe you're feeling lazy for 10 minutes or 30 minutes, right? Like it doesn't have to be, you're not lazy the whole day. I can already hear some people in the planet going, no, trust me, I'm lazy all day. No, no, I believe you, me. I know that you know that you might have a spurt of productivity five minutes prior to bed and then that leaves you into the two o'clock in the morning slot. <laughs> what, you, what you have to do is you have to recognize your sort of peak of performance point mm. and make the most of it so you can coast that's actually a good idea that is a good solution is is you Tune you know when you are feeling smoke. your best during the day <laughs> oh, harness dear. that time 
you know, I hit my peak at four o'clock in the afternoon, that's when maybe I should plan to, to do the thing. Mm. The thing. But linking this back to the first one, yeah. you know, where you don't want to start something. And if you're looking for the the sort of thing of inspiration, maybe it's first thing in the morning where you think of, you know, what you're going to write or whatever. Yeah. That is the point which you should set your reminders to, to actually start something, because you'll know you'll get a good start. And even if you sort of, you know, start very actively, maybe, in that sort of half-hour period, and then you coast the rest of the day, you know you stand a good chance of actually getting to the finish line that way. And I think it also helps to add That's things. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking I, to it. I, I love it, Steve. I think it's great. I, I know that I'm a lot more productive in the evening than I am in the morning. And so I've actually altered my mm-hmm. schedule to account for that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't do things in the morning. It's just that I have a routine. And I think if you add to your routine. So, for example, um, when I sit down to meditate, I'm always burning a certain t- type of incense. Like that just mentally reminds me that we're doing this now. So it's not it's mm-hmm. not a huge thing, but if it's part of a routine, if you have a morning routine, then you can add something to it that may be reviewing your planner. Because I think that's where a lot of people miss mm-hmm. out is being able to sit down and review what they've got going on and the day just catches up with them. If they're not in a position where they can account for that brief moment, there is a brief moment of silence in this world from the time that you wake up to the time mm-hmm. that the world starts where if you catch that moment and you can put down on paper what your intentions are for the day, you've succeeded, you've won the day. And if you miss that time, then the day absolutely takes over and the world is going to tell you what you're doing with your time. With your time. Isn't it? So for me, that's an in sort of important thing. It's, it's to sort of have a set time, if you like, yeah, for yeah. reviewing, planning, reviewing, updating planning and, and and that sort of thing because that if you miss that time slot in the day sort of thing uh, or, or don't have a set time then it's either going to happen by chance or it won't happen at all invariably I suspect it wouldn't happen at yeah. all if I didn't set aside a particular time in each day sort of thing um, but yeah it, it's knowing sort of role where you sort of um work best really i think well and then this this leads us into the third one which is the i'm so busy person who who falls into that category not me anymore i can tell you that Uh, lisa are you one of those i'm so busy i can't deal with you right now i'm the i'm the opposite of I'm the opposite of the I'm so busy. It's it's the I don't want to do anything. So maybe I do fall in the I'm lazy, but I don't use the word lazy. Uh, I just I prefer to use the word I'm self caring right now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm self caring. <laughs> I had I had an accountant many many years ago when I lived in New York. Um, he was the dullest man I had ever met. Steve, I should actually send him to your Dull Men's Club Association. Um, I would ask him, how are you doing? And he would just say, well, I'm I'm whelmed. And not overwhelmed, but just whelmed. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Yeah. 
Um, so one of the things that I don't like about the busy thing is that people use it as an excuse to not get anything done, right? So it's this big umbrella of I'm busy so I can't fit you in. Um, or I can't fit in the thing, whatever the thing is that I'm meant yeah. to do. I'm just yeah. so busy with time. I think that's another excuse generator. And, and I would thing, say the overbooker can fall into I work well under pressure, the performer. Those two are very similar to each other because you're putting a certain amount of pressure on yourself by mm, yeah. adding so many things to your calendar or to your to-do list. You're creating pressure for yourself and maybe you are one of those people who performs well under pressure and you just need a lot of things to do to make you feel that all the time. The overbooker. I think it's quite an amusing one, really, for me, because I never realised it would happen. Um, but it does. When I retired, I sort of fell into that trap. Yeah. Of you've got all this spare time all of a sudden, and you're sort of the the un, you're the opposite of that. You're the <laughs> underbooker. <laughs> you know. I can't do anything today. I'm having my hair cut. Really? How long is that going to take? <laughs> Half an hour? More than maybe an hour? <laughs> so, so you wipe out the whole day. <laughs> to get one thing done. can't do anything that day because you've got that one thing to do. Or I'm going to London for a week and that wipes out a whole month. <laughs> That's it. Nothing else can get done, right? Nothing else can get done that month because I'm going to London for a weekend. Are you still like that, Steve? A little bit. Occasionally, <laughs> yes. I put my hand up to that one. <laughs> so I, I can understand what he's saying because I have a feeling of dread when I think that I know, for example, if I know that I'm going to be traveling soon and I have all these other things mm. that are undone... I feel like trying to catch up and make sh making sure that everything is complete before I travel is what precipitates this feeling of, no, I'm done for the whole month. Because you have to, there's but the before, the during, and the after that needs to be managed. Mm. And if you don't care mm. for all of those spinning plates, they'll come crashing down on you and you'll be left in the travels, right? With, with the lurch. You'll be left in the lurch, Steve. That's where the lurch well, lives. You you know as well as I do, don't you, Karina? I go go away to London for a week, and you don't hear from me. You think, is he? Did he get back okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just sort of in sort of catch up mode for about a week, right? You know, recovering physically and sort of catching up from all the stuff that sort of didn't happen whilst I was away. Well, travel isn't the same that it used to be, we, is we, it? We used to. I used to joke with a guy at work about this when I was still working. And he knew somebody who had retired and would quite often would say, you know, can you make tomorrow? Oh, no, I'm having my haircut. And therefore the whole thing would just get wiped out. And I thought, hmm, yeah, maybe. But I think some of it is not knowing what day of the week it is. <laughs> so you sort of take that cautious view of <laughs> making sure that the week is clear just in case you're, you've lost track of where you are. Yeah, I know. I have to keep track of certain amount of days because if I if you're right, it mm. is it is a cop out, but in a way it's actually a productive cop out because what you're saying is that mm. I have an internal 
dialogue that's happening with what I know I need to take care of in terms of my obligations and who's Mm going to need me and the time required. And so I need to block off this section of time so that I can be productive Mm -hmm. again to take on new new things as the cycle Mm -hmm. of the month continues. So I think that's not really a cop-out to, to be an overbooker. You're an underbooker like me. And what happens is, because we're part of the Casey Neistat uh, fan club here, where we try to reduce the things that we put into our calendar. Every week I look and see, what, what can I remove from here to take it off? And I think that's the part of the, the opposite side of the coin that's the overbooker is the underbooker. Because once you realize you've been making yourself too busy is you stop telling people what you're doing and you just do it. And then you tell them that you're booked out for that time, right? That's the secret power. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people that will deliberately um, avoid. They'll, they'll put phone calls or emails into a particular time yeah, slot yeah. in the day and, and stuff like that. They're the sort of really productive people. I will try to find Casey's video where he shows a chart of what he used to do right. he doesn't do it i love that video you should definitely in a 24 link hour it. period yeah 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 and literally sleep was about five out four or five hours in a day and everything else was just crazy yeah he did this sort of daily vlog for about what four or five years i think and then he stopped because He'd made enough money, basically, I think. Yeah. And um, he wanted to move on in his life with, with two children and, and not about three children and, and all the, the rest of it. But um, Well, I was going to say the ladies that wrote this article, they, they bring up a good point. Um, they said take the solution is taking a moment of introspection and looking at what you're avoiding meaning that you're putting all of these things in your planner and putting all of these things on your to-do list as distractions and avoidance techniques for something. So what are you, why are you so busy? What are you avoiding uh, tackling? Yeah, if you've put it in your planner but you're not doing it, Mm -hmm. who who you're doing that for? Is that to show someone that you appear to be busy but in actual reality or not um it's like you know you're sort of avoiding work or something or you're you're all if to avoid getting additional work you can sort of point to your plan well sorry exactly you know, i can't fit you in for another exactly. three weeks you know go and find someone else to do your minuscule task that no one's interested in doing they've tried palming around the office and they've come to you and you've got the greatest defense then if you do that, because <laughs> you've got evidence that you say, no, no really, I can't you. talk to you right now. <laughs> I'm very some busy. Of the other suckers Please around the office. go away. <laughs> they don't use a planner. So. <laughs> well, I, I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So someone had brought up. I, I listened to a podcast the other day, and the lady brought up medical appointments, and and I think a lot of people it's, it's pretty common to procrastinate <laughs> with medical appointments. Um. She's, I'm just so busy, I can't go to the doctor. Why? Why don't you want to go to the doctor? Isn't it important? What are you avoiding? Mm. The fear of doctors. And when she did some introspection, she did come up with, I have a fear of going to the doctor. I have a, a fear of medical appointments because I may get bad news. 
Mm. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've realized in, in the process of going from busy to unbusy, uh, so going from being an overbooker to an underbooker, I've realized that I've plugged in time for self-care and my own appointments as times that now I'm busy so that in fact I am busy doing things even if the thing that I'm doing is conserving my energy for the next thing. So I budget that time so that it's my time to do with as I please. And I, I really get what Steve said about the haircut that lasts a week and or a day or whatever it is. Uh, it's because you know that you've got to prep yourself to get to that point, however long that's going to take to get there, the, the event itself, and then the event after. And so, in fact, the uh, Apple Apple calendars, I don't know if anybody else does this, but the calendar will actually suggest how much time you need before the event starts to prep for this thing. And I think that's a lot of what's going into the underbooking when we say we want to remove things from our calendars, have less things or fewer things to do, is to allow for the time that it's going to take so that you're not overwhelmed when you're going from event to event to event, because then that causes burnout. And then that's when people go, well, I can't do anything now because now I'm in a state of complete adrenaline crash right? There's just nothing left in me to push forward. And so a lot of this underbooking stems from being able to conserve that energy and use it wisely. In spurts I think it's a great idea get... to book in self-care time and book in buffers. It, it's very important to, ha- instead of rushing from one thing to the next to the next, you actually have buffer time. And I do tell people, I do tell clients to do that. You, when you get home from work, before you start engaging with the spouse and the kids, give yourself 20 minutes locked in the hall bath where you can just chill and come off of your work day and check into family time. Relax from the journey home. Yeah. Although if you if you're not driving yourself, you know, if you've caught a train or something like that, you, you could use that time as your sort of relaxation time as opposed to sort exactly of... and that's why the wonderful european mass transit system is so great and that's why europeans are so much more relaxed than we are in america because we sit in traffic for hours <laughs> we we sit in traffic for uh, right <laughs> we have we we sit in traffic I for hours and it's comment. it's a stressful drive to work it's a stressful day at work it's Says a stressful drive home a glass and, of champagne every year. you know where's our relaxation time i think that that's the biggest change for me really I, you know i used to be part of the sort of you know rush to the office in the morning rush home in the evening and then wonder where on earth the rest of the, the day has gone sort yep. of thing you, you do that five days a week and then weekends was you know, always followed the sort of almost sort of set pattern one way or another. Um, and now, you know, I have the, have this wonderful uh, six Saturdays and one Sunday approach to, to life, I suppose. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it takes some adjustment, um, sort of the, the swap over from being, you know, routinely busy I suppose to um, being able to sort of plan things with a bit more um, less stress involved I suppose and you know occasionally you do have to do the odd quick turnaround 
do we want to hit the last one really quick the novelty seeker really 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 quickly the sh shiny sh <laughs> um, so they have a terminal case of shiny object syndrome so <laughs> the novelty seeker never completing one task before they move on to the next yeah. they have 80% of 10 things finished <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Well, they do eighty percent of it. They, they do the enjoyable bit and then pass it on to you to finish it off. <laughs> it's sort of a, like a hand me down. I actually used to be one of those people that did the eighty percent and then just never got around to finishing it. And then I married a sergeant from the army, and I learned. <laughs> I learned from from his uh, just mannerisms and the way that he was. He'd be like, if you finish it, you don't have to look at it ever again for the rest of the week or the month or whatever it is. And I'm like, I, you know, you're right, actually. So now I have this thing where I finish everything and there is so much satisfaction in the completion that even if I've forgotten to mm -hmm. write it down in my to-dos, I'll go back and create a to-do and then take the checkbox to, to, to make sure that it's complete. Yes, Steve, 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 he has something to say. That, that is the joy of finishing the thing. <laughs> Until you finish it, you can't tick the box. I love you, Steve. God, don't, you don't ever change. don't have a tick box for, I've finished 80% of this, and then you can conveniently forget about it, and there's that, the remaining 20% sort of still there. Oh, there there you have it. There you have it. So thank you, Lisa, for letting yeah. us complete the entire article. I appreciate you calling us out yeah, on that we, last we, one. We, we were. Yeah, did you finish we, the beer? We did that in real life. We got, we got distracted by the shiny object. 80%. <laughs> like, I need another beer. <laughs> get somebody get that man another beer. Absolutely. Pareto principle strikes again. The 80-20 rule. Here we go. It's we've come for full circle. So uh, where can we find everyone? Lisa, where can we find you on the internet? I'm at River Crossing Counseling. It's rccvirginia.com. And Steve, where can we find you? You can find me in the usual place. Farlafaxi.com. Travelersnotebooktimes.com. I'm Mr. Farlafaxi on Instagram. And you can find me on the Instagram at the Ayurvedic 108, Kareen Tovmasyan at Instagram, throatpunchresumes.com, planarology.com, dot, 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 the Ayurvedic.co, dot co, and of course, making bunny ears behind Steve when he takes a photo. And don't forget, folks, don't forget to like this podcast, subscribe to it, and share it. <laughs> <laughs>